Hey folks, episode number 53, the podcasting game. All I do these days is just podcast. You're a podcasting machine. Podcast, so many podcasts. Uh, but this one, very exciting this week, episode 53, we are speaking with J. Caroline Williams, who was talking about the Levitt AMP Utica Music Series. Uh, plus, Erin Higgins is back after her toe-related injury. Uh, it's all happening, folks. Wheels inside wheels, Uticast, we're happy to be here. Sullivan. Yes. What's going on, big guy? How you doing? Uh, here we are. I wish that we would get a thunderstorm to blow out some of this humidity, but other than that, we're good. It's coming. It seems. I think it's going to come. I thought it was going to come earlier today. It just didn't happen. I just looked at the weather report. It's not coming. No? Nothing coming. This happened last week, too, where we got, like, it we seemed might, like... We might get some maybe tomorrow, today, by the time everybody listens, but yeah, other yeah. than that, yeah. Yeah. So what's on your mind, big guy, before we dig into the show? Everything going all right for you? Life is good. Life is good? Excellent. Uh, so before we get too far into the show, a couple of things I wanted to address. Uh, for the listeners who may have noticed a mysterious uh, alternate podcast that showed up yesterday, uh, congratulations, you partook in the first episode of For the Lads, uh, our new sports podcast, also the first offshoot in the untitled Uticast Podcasting Network. I need to come up with a clever title. Um I guess the best way to, to go into this is, for anybody who is familiar with Grantland or Bill Simmons, uh, I always loved the way they did their podcasting. I think it's a great format to have uh, smaller podcasts about specific niche subjects that people can sort of get excited for. Um, as a guy who grew up being a big sports fan, still cares a lot about sports, the For the Lad show is a lot of fun for me. Uh, I know it's not necessarily going to be for every listener of the Uticast, but that's totally fine. Um, nothing's going to change the Uticast. It's still going to be every week for the lads, just for uh, for you sports fans out there. It'll be a little bit more low-key. Plus, keep your eyes out for all sorts of interesting podcasts that'll be coming up in the next few months. So I'm pretty gassed for that, specifically. I need you to help me come up with a good name for our podcasting network. We're going to figure though. something out. I'm going to figure something out. We need some sort of name. Uh, did you want to talk a little bit about uh, the sign lighting this week? It's a big announcement coming up. Yeah, we've got, uh, there'll be a press conference by the time that you hear this episode, it'll have already happened. Um, down at the brewery, there's going to be a big block party Wednesday night from 6.30 to 9.30. Uh, the new sign is up on top of the building, looks good. There's going to be a party for the lighting. Mm. Uh, the sign will get lit probably about 9.30, 9.40 at night as soon as it gets dark enough to do so, but it's going to be a block party, so the street's going to be blocked off from uh, the corner of Court and Varick all the way down to pretty much in front of Nail Creek. Mm. And so everybody's going to be right out in the street. You'll be able to tight. walk out. Uh, there's going to be beer trucks out there. There'll be a band. We've got all the local food trucks coming, led, of course, by Nick Briggs and his Holy Smokes truck, one of the best in the business. Um, also, there's going to be tap takeovers all over Varick Street of all Utica Club, Saranac Products. Um, it's going to be it's kind of a once-in-a-lifetime event. Yeah. It's going to be a huge event for Utica Club. This is the summer of Utica Club, mm. and um, it's going to be a great time. It's going to be really interesting to go out and do it block party style out there on Varick Street. I just hope we don't get that thunderstorm that you're calling then, because yeah. that'll be an issue. Quick side note, those new Utica Club cans are tight. They're really nice. They oh, came out really good. Great branding. 
Um, all right, so before we get into the show, uh, I want to bring up something. I don't know if this is going to be a segment going forward. Uh, for now, let's just call it the joys of the internet. Um, and today, what I want to talk about is Facebook. Uh, so I've been somewhat negative about Facebook on this podcast. That's because it's a sewer. Right, right. It is a sewer. But I mean, even as a promotional technique, I probably haven't been taking as much advantage of Facebook as we should. I don't pay enough attention to it. I don't go on it as often enough as I probably should as a guy who runs a podcast. Um, But I I know that we have the Facebook page up now, and I had been ignoring it. So last night, uh, it's real late in the evening, I posted the the FTL podcast uh, last night around midnight, tried to get it out on Sunday. It was a little bit late. Um, But afterwards, I was doing some promo work on Facebook. And uh, I was on the Uticast page, and it said, invite friends to like this page, right? So I said, man, what a pain in the ass this is. I have to scroll through and literally, I can't just click like invite all, right? There wasn't an invite all option. I literally had to scroll through every person and add them, right? So I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is a pain in the ass. But you know what? It, it's good in the long run because there's a lot of people who probably didn't even know we had a Uticast Facebook page who were like listeners to the show. And it, it's been a big point. We've doubled the amount of likes in like a day and a half, right? Yeah, I saw that actually. I was seeing the notifications yeah. all day come booming in. It's It was simply just the simple fact that I had never actually invited anybody because I'm not great with navigating Facebook's, um, you know, their stuff. So this morning I was pretty gassed up about it. I was like, oh, this is nice, you know? And then... What happened is an unnamed, uh, I wouldn't call him a social justice warrior, I think. What's the opposite of a social justice warrior? I, I don't know. Nerd. I don't, I don't, know. Know. I don't know. None of these terms really mean anything yeah, anymore yeah. these days. I don't know. Someone uh, who will remain nameless basically just left like a really kind of angry uh, angry comment about our conversation about gun oh, control. Oh, I see what you're doing, that idiot. Uh, here's the thing. Like, you could tell by the comments left, it's like, you should, like, listen, probably, to the episode. Maybe. Right, right. Like we, You were very upset. You wanted to get into it. You wanted no, to Facebook well, look, beef look, last look. I did want to get into it because I felt like, <laughs> I felt like with stuff like gun control and stuff that's divisive, you can sort of tailor an argument for yourself in any way. You can have tunnel vision and make one point, right? So, the general point that this guy was like, well, gun ownership is down in the U.S. compared to this many years ago. It's like, well... Does that ignore the fact that we still have more guns than, like, 50 other countries, like, civilized countries in the world? Like, you can tailor any infographic or factoid you want to whatever point you want to make, Yeah, right? well, you... Go ahead. Well, I'm just saying that it, as angry as I got looking at it, I realized that it doesn't benefit me to feed the trolls. In any is, way, shape, or form. No, I, there's no point to I, it. I, I preach this until I'm blue in the face with, you know, between the podcast and between me and Utica... Just, it's statistics. You'll get your fair amount of trolls, and, you know, we some of us have tougher times than others, but everybody always wants to, like, acknowledge it and get into it. There's nothing to be gained. Yeah. There's no snappy retort or well-thought-out nine paragraphs you can put out there that does anything besides hurt your position. Yeah. To even acknowledge the people like this, especially when it's people who are professional trolls like that, <laughs> and it's people yeah. where you go on and you look, and all they're ever saying is nasty, negative shit about everything all the time. Yeah, yeah for sure. No room to respond to somebody like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, those people yeah. those people can't even be a blip on the radar. You know what I mean? If somebody's got a legitimate criticism or wants to open a real discussion and dialogue about something was said and provide a counterpoint, I welcome that kind of interaction. Sure. If it's somebody who just wants to be a troll and mouth off because it makes them feel better about their life to, like 
talk trash on Facebook. I, I've got no time for that kind of thing. Uh, so, uh, for this gentleman who I doubt is listening to this, because I'm sure he only trolled us and doesn't actually listen to the show, because it's easier to do that. Um, but if you are actually listening to this, if you want to continue having a conversation about my theories on gun control, you can either go back and listen to that three-and-a-half-week-old episode, or you can send me an email. I'm very accessible on Facebook, but I refuse to, uh, to go back and forth with people on Facebook because there's no point. Facebook's a trap. Justin, ah, you weren't refusing last night. I had to talk you off the ledge a couple times. You're like, well, what about if I say this? I'm like, I was eh. trying to find something snarky. You're like, what if I post this? Eh. Well, first off, the only answer that's ever relevant is thanks for listening. That's the only answer that ever works that people can't really argue with you about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I used that answer, and then the guy deleted that initial comment to get rid of that comment from me. Right? Classic Facebook like, trolling. Classic Facebook troll. Uh, the joys... Of the internet, folks. Send us a mail back. I got a funny story to tell you about all that when we get off the air. No, we're not. This is this is this is not an on the air. This is like a Uticast after (laughs) After hour story. But yeah, send us some email questions. uh, Uticast at gmail.com or go to uticast.com. Check out the website. Uh, We will be back in just a minute with Aaron Higgins, and we'll get on with the main part. I got a feeling that since Higgins hasn't been on the show for a bunch of weeks now, she's going to be completely wild and unhinged when she gets in here. I just got—I got one of those feelings. Feels like that kind of day. Are you implying that her track record leads us to believe that? I, especially when she's not here for a couple weeks, she gets really gassed up and manic, and I've got a feeling she'll just be just off the rails, yelling about stuff, and very loose. She'll be feeling good when she gets in here. Mark my words. Let's see if it proves out to be true. Professional performer or just happy to be here? You guys make the call. We'll be back in just a moment. tell you you're not missing out because when we filmed yesterday it was so hot yeah in the studio we were just it was bad it was never like that yesterday that was think about getting an air conditioner i did not never it would be so loud in the background of the show it would ruin the. i mean you could turn it off for the show but you could you know cool it down (laughs) it's very very inefficient to like do a whole house with window units oh i know that's the way the higgins house is right now like i said they have one of those robots that, like, the, yeah, the R2D2. Yeah. Olaf, I like to refer to him as. This this cool crisp beverage is the only air conditioning I need right now. Let me tell you. Cheers. Amen. Cheers, guys. We made it. Um, so, Aaron, you're back. I'm here. Uh, you have some uh, you have some fascinating announcements to discuss with us today uh, of varying degrees of excitement. <laughs> Number one, one of my piggies has gone to market. Mm. And mm. it's a devastating blow to my. Um, uh, my ego. For those listeners that aren't thoroughly versed in Erin speak, that means she's borderline lost a toe. Yeah, yeah, a big toe, nonetheless. Like, it was the big piggy. He went to market and he was like, smell you later. He He's out. He's uh, out. Right, can we talk briefly about what you actually did to your toe? I'm unfamiliar with what you did to I it. was moving a table at school. Oh. And it was one of these, like, it's a really heavy, antiquated folding table. Yeah. 
And they're, they're super large, and they're really heavy, and they're made out of, like, metal from who knows where, probably lead. And when it, I was going to turn it on its side with another teacher, and we, neither of us really had it, and it came down. Boom! Right on my big toe, on my right foot. And, you know, there are photos. If you would like to see them, I'm happy to show anybody. She's very happy to show everybody. <laughs> I sent all anyone. the gory details to Kevin. Uh, it was, I lost a fair amount of blood and a lot of toe, so... Hmm. We're doing okay now. We're two weeks in, just about. And this Thursday will be two weeks, and I've almost, I've almost got it down to a bending point. But I lost, <laughs> I lost the nail. I lost the toe. I cracked the bone. It's just, it was a real gory sight. It was uh, good. It was a good day. I can, I can commiserate with you. I have this, when I was a little kid, uh, my dad used to own a hardware store in East Utica. Yeah. And at the end of the day. Uh, underneath the back, we had this big, giant safe where they would keep all the cash, Oh, right? I already don't like that. Or the yeah, going. and as a little kid, I loved to close the safe at the end of the day. It was my favorite part of the day. My old man would just let me go over there and close the safe because I liked the way it sounded. Uh, I crushed my ring finger on my left hand as a little kid on that safe. Ah. And I still, to this day, it's like one of the worst things that had ever happened. Oh, yeah. And I, um, prerequisite, I had gone across the street to this little tiny video rental store and rented a video game. For regular Nintendo <gasps> called Batman. Just just the Batman regular Nintendo game. And I was all gassed all day for it, right? So this happens. I smash my finger in the safe. My dad drags me into the car with like a cup of water that my hand's in because I'm bleeding into it. And he's like, it's all right, buddy. It's all right. We're going to get you to the hospital. And I'm crying. I'm like, eh, I'm not going to be able to play Batman. And he's just like, oh, God, my son is such an embarrassment. <laughs> like, he's so embarrassed. I, <laughs> I was all right. I was calm, cool, and collected until they told me that the nail might not grow back. Mm, I was no at nail. the I was at the podiatrist and they, they I went right to the podiatrist which was awesome mm. and he was like you know you may have damaged the nail bed and it might not grow back and then I was I I well I'm not gonna say how angry I was but I was pretty angry and I made some comments um, about a recent athlete who um, competed in the Paralympic and the regular Olympic games and killed his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Oscar Pistorius. I'm not yeah. saying, I wasn't going to say that I, I was, I was, conv- and I, I said it, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm Oscar Pistorius, <laughs> and on a much smaller scale, because I just all of a sudden didn't have a toenail, and it was horrifying, and that was the only time I really got salty, because I'm not really, you know, blood and guts don't really do it for me, I saw all the stuff, I saw my toe hanging out, and mm. I was like, wow, that's what the inside of a toe looks like, that's pretty cool, and then, <laughs> oh well, because God. you know, you know you're going to get it back, and then I realized I couldn't wear my shoes. It all sort of hit me in like waves. Like my shoe collection now is going by the wayside for a couple of months, and my pedicures are going by the wayside. And it's it's a, I ask I ask her for stories. <laughs> uh, so it's a horrible thing to say. <laughs> Awful. Oh my god! Like the worst thing anybody can really say because what he did was deplorable. But I, I okay. Well, let's talk about something that's not quite as deplorable. Let's talk about your other big announcement. I got a job. Yeah, you got a job. I got a real big girl job, and I'm a new fifth grade teacher, officially. Yeah. I'm a, uh, with a classroom and, and kids and a, a list and books. It's really exciting and very overwhelming all at once, and I'm totally honored and exceptionally excited. Yeah. But I'm super nervous because... Ah, it's fifth grade. I've been K two for as long as I can remember, and now I've got to jump up to the big kids, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an amazing opportunity, and I'm I'm psyched, but I'm still totally nervous. When I was pursuing like a career in teaching for a long time, uh, one of my big concerns was that I was afraid to teach like a, a kids under a certain age because I feel like they wouldn't get my 
sense of humor or personality. Like, it would just go Oh, no, I crush it in kindergarten, so yeah. I'm, I'm real nervous about fifth grade. Yeah, I always had that problem. I'd go see my mom's first grade class, right? And they'd be, like, just... They need help with everything, and it was too much for me. It's like, can you rip this page out of this book for me? I'm like, uh, I don't know if I'm supposed to. You just ask, wait till my mom gets back, and we'll Yeah, it's, 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 uh, and you see, mine is going the other way. I tried to high-five a fifth grader once, and they looked at me like I had ten heads, and I sort of felt like the least cool person in the world. So I'm going to have to try to find a way to be cool in fifth grade. I was wicked cool in kindergarten, though. What are the kids like these days? Pokemon? I have no clue. Power Rangers? Not so cool anymore? No, I don't know. Not a clue. So we'll find out. I can tell you all about what's happening in K-1-2, but five is where I start unraveling. So we shall see. All right. Uh, well, we're very glad you're back this week. I missed Thanks. you. Thanks. Uh, did you want to hear my last piece of really exciting news? Do you have one more piece? I like it. One more piece. Jose, 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 Jose. He's back. Uh, for the non-sports inclined, Aaron is very excited about the return of New York Metropolitan's former great mm. Jose Reyes. He's returned to the club, or he's on the, in the process of returning. He has returned us. Kevin's so displeased by the entire range of conversation. Like, here. you don't understand. And I was in okay, I was in Philadelphia this past weekend, and that's when everything went down. And I was literally in trader territory, and it was the worst thing because I couldn't celebrate. I couldn't run around and scream in my Jose Reyes jersey. Like, I was a lone bird in Philadelphia. Hmm. I just, I looked like such a lost soul. And I was, because no one was there to, like, I couldn't talk to anybody. Was it the first time you've been to Philly? No. No, I, no, 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 no. You ever been to Philly, Kev? Yes. What'd you think? I've never, I've never been to Philly. I've always been intrigued to see what the city is like. I've heard like nice Downtown's things about great. it. I like downtown. My favorite place is this thing, place called the Reading Terminal Market, which is this gigantic old train station they turned mm. into a market, and it's just the most amazing place to go. It really reminds me of Utica when you come here because it's different mm. cultural uh, influences in different parts of this place, and you could literally go from one place to another mm. and get completely separate things. It's just super cool. Well, for a long time, I had, like, New York City, like, biased, where I was like, of course. Philadelphia. That's like, how I feel about Come on, it too. Philadelphia. It's bare. Come on. They just want to be New York City. Uh, but now that I don't live in New York City, I feel like I'd have a nice time in Philadelphia. It's, it's weird beautiful. That it works I, I like <laughs> right? it. It's... I like it in Philadelphia. I'm not going to pretend like I don't like it there. Um, but I hate all their sports teams, so. Well, we'll bring you on to FTL Sports, and you can go on a 15-minute rant about how Reyes is going to carry your Mets all the way through to the World Series. I'm going to stalk him this week. Yeah, you're going to Binghamton to stock him, aren't you? Yeah, he's coming to oh, Binghamton so tomorrow, weird. and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be there <laughs> as soon as humanly possible to just watch his every move mm. and yell at him and just hopefully get a hug because I am so excited. Uh, I didn't know that our announcement section was gonna go. Sorry, what else? What's next? Eight and a half minutes. No, you know what? It's fine though, and I'll tell you why. Because the only really the only topic we were actually gonna discuss today was um, <clears throat> Brexit, and I uh, I don't mean the. English national team getting bumped out of the Euros today by Iceland. <laughs> I don't understand any of those words. Uh, it's for like 5% of the people. Ah, uh, the dogs are barking again. Anyhow, uh, yeah, so... That's a high range. Let me, give you, uh, let me give you a quick rundown of this if you haven't followed any of this. Uh, so last Thursday, uh, England voted to leave the European Union uh, despite what most experts expected would not happen. Most people didn't really expect it to happen. We didn't cover it last week. It was a big story on John Oliver last week. We didn't cover it on the show because it didn't seem like England was actually going to leave the EU. At least that's how I felt, Kev. I don't know about you. We're like... What? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, we, we had talked about talking about it last yeah, week, if yeah. that makes any sense. 
I, there's a couple of things that, that I think need to be said, need to get put right out of the way on um, the whole Brexit vote and the concept of it. Uh, number one, when they, you know, they polled, they did the exit polls of the people who voted, and mm-hmm. I think it's very, very telling. Basically, what you're seeing over there, and I have a lot of family and friends who all live in mm-hmm. England still, and so I've been able to get some perspective from some sure. you know, people on the street down there. Um, you know, I reached out to a couple different family members. I'm like, hey, what's this, you know, the family members I'm closer with over there where it's not just weird. I'm like, what's this, what's your take on this kind of, mm-hmm. um, this is the equivalent of, it's one of those things where all the people who are really like old and super conservative and xenophobic sort of got sold on some rhetoric. Like, you know, we're giving too much money to the EU and we're letting too many Muslims in our country and we mm-hmm. got to stop it. Oh, it was one and of it those. sounds familiar. Yeah, it sounds familiar. A lot of stuff like that. I do think it's interesting that in their exit polls, um, the majority of the people who voted for it were all over the age of yeah. 60 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people who had no education. People who had like high school or like less education. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody who had any kind of education who was younger than the age of like 45 unanimously voted to stay. Mm-hmm. Uh, take from that what you will, but you know, mm-hmm. scared old folks and uneducated people voting for it, it seems like a bad way. And I also think it's very telling. You were seeing a story in the Washington Post the day after it happened. There were a lot of people talking about the Google trends in yeah. England. They were saying there were <laughs> yeah. the biggest trend in England was people researching what does this mean, what's this actually about, mm-hmm. and you're seeing petitions being organized all over England. Like, can we have a revote? And all these different <laughs> anecdotal evidence stories of people being like, "I just voted leave. I didn't think my vote would count. I didn't yeah, want us to I actually." Saw, I saw that. I saw and, parts of that. Yeah, and people out mm. there basically being like, you know, I didn't really know what it was. I wouldn't have mm. voted for it if I had known. Can we have a do-over and everything like that? So it's a big mess, and it remains to be seen mm. what will happen. But this is very, very big news for the yeah. world at large, the economies and, you know, geopolitics and all that stuff. Mm. And it seems like it shouldn't be because it's across the pond and it's over there. But this has ramifications for, you know, England being one of our closest allies and trading partners for mm. a very yeah. long time. This is a big deal. This is the type of thing that people should probably read a little bit about and learn a little bit about because sure. we will feel the ramifications coming for this. I mean, this is truly, truly historic. Well, now is the time to do it. There's a ton of coverage on this Brexit event. And honestly, getting into this today when I was doing the prep for the show, it was overwhelming to see all the different angles from which this uh, this whole decision has taken place. Uh, there has been a heavy... Uh, heavy accounting that there is an immigration aspect to this, that there's a big connection between a lot of people in England feeling like immigration is becoming a problem. I actually have a couple facts to throw at you. I have some stats I looked up. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when the EU uh, basically invited all, however, 28 members of it in by uh, 1993, uh, from 93 to 2014, uh, United Kingdom's foreign-born population rose from 4 million to 8 million. So it doubled in that period. Over the same period, uh, the amount of people in the United Kingdom who uh, moved immigration into one of their top three political concerns went from zero to 40 over that same time span. So you're really seeing the inverse lines here. Yeah. Um, The biggest story I keep reading on the internet all day is how Americans should look at this and say, see, this is what happens. Like, this is a warning about what's going to happen if you vote Trump into office. I don't know how much credence either of you two would want to give something like that. I don't know, Aaron, if you have a take on that or not. Or, um, I mean, to, to be honest with you, that, that comparison, people drawing that comparison, I find to be incredibly frightening because you, you do get to see the panic that is happening over overseas, and you get to see the panic, and you get to see the fact that now you know, people are saying, wait, 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 wait a second. This is a possibility that we might have 
something even close to this happen here. That mm. we might even have anything of this magnitude, anything of this, you know, this dividing, this splitting, this mm. huge issue. You know, I don't know. Obviously, voting Trump into office would not indicate that we would be a divide. I don't know. You know what I mean? I no. don't know. No, it, all of that misses the mark on both of those. It's it's a little bit off from it. Saying that, like, you know, this is looking like, hey, this is what could happen if we elect Trump isn't necessarily the point. It's not that no matter who we elect, it could never be as as seismic of a event yeah. as happened for the for Britain and the EU. What it really is saying, and the point that it is to get a little bit closer and hit the point right to the home, is the fact that, hey, you know this thing that seems crazy, that doesn't mm. seem like it could happen? Yes. Yeah. That crazy thing could happen. Yeah. Never ever count out how much xenophobic, scared, racist old folks can buy into rhetoric and completely forego actual facts and just buy into things that were thrown at them. And that's one of the things you're seeing coming out is a lot of these people were just having stats thrown at them by some of these different you know politicians on the leave side. And they're just throwing numbers at them that aren't true. The stuff they're saying isn't true, but people buy it because it's sold to them properly. That's a hundred percent what I want. What like what I think you hit the nail on the head, mm. and it's it's um, it's I don't know. It's nerve it's nerve wracking. Well, to be there's honest. there's a term I've seen come up a bunch of times in my research today, and that term was post factual society. That what does we, that even like? What do you mean? Uh, the idea is, and we see it with the way that our election cycle has gone in America to a certain extent. Yeah. People will say all of these facts about Donald Trump that seem damning. He's a racist. He's a xenophobe. Like, he has no political experience. But those facts don't seem to matter compared to the posturing and the, the character of Donald Trump, right? Yeah. Most, of, most people in the know in England knew the downfalls of what could happen if England left the Union. Uh, but those facts didn't seem to matter when compared to the the quotes and out of line things that uh, what's the guy's name? Farad is the guy who's the new leader over there, or Boris Johnson. Those two guys are uh, Boris Johnson's going to end up being the next prime minister. Yeah. Like the rhetoric that they were spewing was more important than the actual facts. The facts seem to sort of bounce off like it's a bulletproof vest in today's society. And I well, think we're yeah. you see a lot of this now. You see parallels in American society where yeah. like if you turn on Fox News, they'll tell you a lot of stuff that seems like it's gospel truth. It's not the truth, but they sell it, and the people want to believe it because it fits their narrative. Mm -hmm. And I think that is living in a post-factual society. If somebody goes out and you know gives a hot take and makes their speech and sells it with the right rhetoric, people are going to buy it, and they don't really care to look into whether it's true or not. People don't care to spend the time to research. They don't have the attention span anymore to go learn the truth about things. They just care about how what they hear makes them feel and if it fits with their personal narrative. And I think that that's spot on. To say that we're, that we're moving rapidly into a post-factual society is right on the head. Uh, and I really do hope that this sort of uh, at least instills a little bit of a sense of urgency in the young voters in this country to see what can happen if you take it very lightly. Uh, I do have, I've chosen some, a winner and a loser from this, uh, this Brexit angle, and I'm going to share it with you guys. I'm going to start I with... I am absolutely dying to know where this is going. Oh, yeah. All right, so my biggest winner in this, uh, Brexit, uh, this Brexit event is Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you why, because... No, I agree with you. I, I, I see a scenario where this will unite people behind her, is, if nothing else, than as a way to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't become reality. Like, this example being set to us by England, our former masters. <laughs> um, uh, they, like, this example is going to hopefully galvanize or, you know, or unify the, uh, the party behind Hillary to make sure that Trump doesn't find a way to take that 30% chance and make it something much more realistic. You know, she came out and she gave a speech yesterday, mm. and, or, or maybe even the day before, and 
her speech was measured. It was, hmm. it was confident. It was not. It was. It was speaking from almost a, a presidential, almost as if she was already the president. And she made some comments, and she said, you know, d- discussing the Brexit thing and saying how Donald's on a golf course in Scotland, like running around like a crazy person, <laughs> praising the Scots like, for for voting to leave, even though they voted to, to stay. stay, like just crazy stuff. <laughs> and he's idiot. over there just running around with his hair <laughs> flapping in the wind. And she was over here, and you know, she said. She made some really good points, and it was interesting to watch her give the speech because her body language, her her tone, her pacing was super presidential and super like official and adult and and calm and mm. reassuring, and it was a definite like switch over. You could mm. tell it was almost like now she's flipping the switch and getting herself. It's disgusting. I feel filthy even hearing that. It makes my skin crawl. All of these people. Mm. You know who's the biggest winner, I think, coming out of the Brexit thing? Uh, you just mentioned Scotland. Scotland. Scotland and Ireland mm-hmm. and Wales are mm-hmm. all big winners here because they will finally... Scotland almost immediately said, okay, let's run that vote yeah. back to see if we're going to stay with Britain because, you know, for it's, it's almost become meme-worthy for the thousands of years that it's gone on, Scotland and Ireland trying to get yeah. independence from England... And I think this will finally be the thing that pushes them over. Now, whether these little teeny tiny island nations can survive in the 21st century standing on their own without that partnership and that rich tradition mm-hmm. of, you know, the United Kingdom and all that stuff, that remains to be seen. But I think the, Scot- the Scottish people, you know, Scotland, the Irish are all big winners yeah. in this because I think this gives them a little bit more independence. If England's gone off the rails, yeah. this is their opportunity to stand up and establish an identity for who they are themselves. Mm. Uh, and my biggest loser from this event is the youth in Britain. Since 1993, you were, uh, you were, uh, uh, it's, it's, it was easily accessible for you as a youth to travel anywhere through the European Union yep. and work and experience different parts yep. of the country in this, in a way that, almost like the states are in America, right? Like you could just yes, travel exact, along exactly through the, the states exactly and, the and take in a whole different part of the country that's right next door to you. And now, that's no longer going to be available to them because of the maybe slightly outdated and xenophobic views of the people who are older than them, their parents and their uncles and their aunts who push this vote through and now they're going to pay the price for it. So Much like in America, loser. the scared old folks that feel like the world has passed them by and are yeah. confronting their own mortality. Yeah. Uh, good work today, guys. That was nice. And now... Say it all the time, kids. Go vote. Go vote. Your kids, go vote. Yeah. And now let's not talk about Brexit again because I, I don't like saying the word Brexit. It's tough. Did it's... you see they made other... They made... <laughs> okay, my big winner here is Twitter. And here's why. <laughs> yeah, Twitter's been killing it. Because Twitter's been killing it. Twitter... <laughs> I'm also my big loser is Twitter, but <laughs> Twitter's been killing it. They have all these new like um, hashtags for the other countries. Yeah. Like, and I, I would love to find them until I'll find them when we're doing the interview. But because they have these hilarious like words that they smashed up the words like terms for leaving or terms for for you know yeah. getting out, and yeah, they yeah. mashed them up with the country names, and it's just like I just think it's really funny. So. Cool. We'll talk. I'll break yeah, pull that up them. for me, uh, and let's interview. Uh, let's get into this week's interview. Uh, this is actually from a few weeks back. Uh, Jake Caroline Williams came to the house uh, very early in the morning, which is very off-brand for our interviews. Usually, they're later in the day. Uh, but not only was she here early in the morning uh, before I was presentable to the world, uh, she was very 
on point and very charming and very funny to talk to. Uh, if you don't know uh, Caroline, she is on the committee for the Levitt AMP Utica Music Series. She is one of the people who's responsible for bringing, uh, making Utica one of the 15 cities chosen across the country for uh, the Levitt AMP grant. Uh, this event is going to take place July 4th through September 5th. Uh, and that's going to be taking place at Copernic Park, not too far from Oneida Square in uh, in Utica. So let's get into our interview with Caroline. She's a fascinating woman, and we'll be back in just a moment. probably the first person who's ever come to the studio this early in the morning. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> no, it's it's not I'm a morning yeah. person, so for me okay. it, it's not a concern. I was I was sort of happy. It allows me to do stuff for the rest of the day. I yeah. My schedule's <laughs> nuts, so like you just gotta find the block and go with it because otherwise I'm in evening meetings all the time mm-hmm. and Work stuff is oh, nuts. Yeah. So see we were yeah. just, we talked about this on today's ep- uh, or on last week's episode of this show. I uh, I was working in an office, mm-hmm. and now I'm back to working in restaurants mm-hmm. uh, a couple days a week. Yeah. And to go from that nine to five life, which I had gotten really comfortable with, to back to the strange hours of waiting tables in a restaurant. Yeah, and and it's you know my world is like personally it's just a little rough. I did a lot of work for a lot of years. Mm. I lived in California. Really. And, um, when I, I worked for this company and I was doing stuff in uh, overseas mm. and they were four hours behind <laughs> us. And so like I would, I wouldn't get up till noon. Oh yeah. I'd work on stuff till like nine o'clock at night. I would upload stuff in the middle of the night. It was like my hours were not. So now it's like my hours are still nuts, but not, <laughs> but a little better. Well, I think it's the changeover that got me always. It's not so much. Oh, I'm gonna wake up at one o'clock in the afternoon. It's after I've been working these office hours. I'm waking up at this time. Your body just doesn't does matter. It. That's the end of that. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, for me, it's weather. Like oh, yeah. I'm up at five a.m. Oh, because yeah. the sun's up. And for me to drag my ass out of bed at ten o'clock <laughs> in, a, in the winter takes work. Well, yeah. my stepdad used to make fun of us. He's like, "Why?" You, he was like one of those like getting up at like five in the morning type yeah. folks. And then now I'm like, I, I kind of see what he's talking about. Kinda, mm-hmm. not all yeah, the time. Not all the time, but once in a while, you're like, um, yeah. So, uh, for the listeners, we are here with Carolyn Williams or J. Carolyn Williams. I had mm-hmm. to look it up twice. Uh, <laughs> I have to tell you, this is very personal, um, so I won't go too far into it. You are the only other person I know who has the JCW thing. That's uh, that's a big thing for me and the host of the show, mm-hmm. uh, Kevin. We we played with a, in a band with a friend of ours, Jay Wil, uh, Wilhelm, for years, and he passed away. And for years, I've been wearing this wristband, which people can't see, mm-hmm. that says JCW. Oh on yeah. It. So that's always uh, the first thing I think of whenever I see those initials. I don't know why I felt the need to tell you that. <laughs> but it's a nice connection. <laughs> it is a nice connection. Uh, but welcome to the studio. Um, 
Carolyn, you you might have to correct me because I was given some information. I had to do some research here, but you are on the committee for the Levitt AMP Utica Music Series, and you are also uh, involved with Cornell's Raw to Green uh, Utica Urban Studios. The Rust to Green Urban Studio and the Levitt AMP Utica Music Series. Wonderful, so, okay. great. See, I do occasional research. Yes, <laughs> when necessary. Um, and uh, if you haven't heard anything about this, uh, when uh, when I was working on the uh, the iHeart Utica panel. Uh, this mm-hmm. is actually the first time this concept was brought up to me by uh, your colleague, Lynn Michelini. Yes, from Utica is... Monday Night. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I loved moderating that event. It was so much fun. But I was blown away by Lynn. I knew about her in general beforehand, but really, she's <laughs> yeah, she's... <laughs> she's quite the woman. Yeah, and you know, she ran that series for years in downtown Utica, and um so the series, our AMP series, is running on Monday nights mm-hmm. because Utica Monday Night mm-hmm. is a partner along with the DeSale Center, mm-hmm. um, Wonderful. Midtown Utica mm-hmm. Community Center, mm-hmm. the City of Utica, and um, and so it's really been a, a great partnership. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, we were fortunate enough to mm-hmm. have the Levitt uh, Foundation choose Utica as one of the 15 cities and the local community foundation provide the match Mm-hmm. For um, the series to be put on, yeah. Uh, so that's and that's something I actually wanted to get to as well. So the idea is that it is twenty five thousand dollars in matching uh, grants, and this was fifteen different cities. I did look up a lot of the other cities as well, um, and again, I love this city. I was surprised. I was glad to see that we got it. So I have a little bit of a question for you about that process of what mm-hmm. that process was like. Like, what was the initial? Uh, I guess the I don't know what you would call. I guess the prep process or the application mm-hmm. process for you. So initially, we submitted an application to the Levitt Foundation, mm-hmm. along with, I think, 42 right. other cities, 40-something mm-hmm. cities in the U.S. that um, decided to put in applications. And then they um, put it out to a voting process. Mm-hmm. So people voted online, communities mm-hmm. went out through social media, and Utica was in the top 25. Mm-hmm through that process, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, then Levitt actually chose the top 15 right. out of those 25. Mm-hmm. So Utica is in the is one of this year's um, participants. Mm-hmm. This is only the second year they've done this. Yeah. So this is a really exciting yeah. um, thing for Utica to be involved in. Uh, I think what's fascinating for me about it and what makes me very happy is for years, uh, you know, I, I've played in bands over the over mm-hmm. the years in this area and I grew up around a lot of people who played in bands back in the 60s, 70s, 80s. And a lot of the old time musicians talk about what a hub for music this area once was and certain ones, especially a lot of guys I've talked to last few years, older gentlemen, what they wish it would sort of Come become once to. again. Um, and I think it's important because we don't, I think as Uticans, we sort of forget sometimes about this culture that was there for a long time. And I'm glad to see people helping to try and bring that back. Yeah. It's, um, you know, Utica has a long music history Mm. and, um, this is an opportunity for Mm. people to come out and hear some bands they may not have had an opportunity to hear. Mm. A lot of them are national and regional acts. Mm. So Levitt does have a... A selection process so they have to have toured outside of the state they mm-hmm. have to have a website they have to have a professionally produced CD mm-hmm. there's some qualifications for the acts that were um, selected so we have openers who are local and then we have yeah. the 10 main acts from 4th of July through Labor Day 
so I was trying to, I was pulling up some information about this, as I mentioned earlier today, because I was always doing my research. Now, mm-hmm. the idea is, so this is a minimum of 10 events and uh, over 10 weeks. It Correct. Consistently, Consist- it has to follow. Yep, that, so um, every Monday night yeah. from 4th of July through Labor Day mm-hmm. from 6 to 9, they're free concerts. Yeah. Um, one of the things that Levitt really um, promotes is using an underutilized site. So we'll be at Copernic Park. I'm very glad you brought that up. Which is... Um, in the kind of downtown yeah. Oneida Square area, mm-hmm. and it really um, gives people a chance to walk to mm. free concerts if they don't have transportation mm. and serves the neighborhood, but it also provides an opportunity yeah. for people from outside the area to come learn about that area of downtown, come to downtown, see what's happening here, because there's mm-hmm. a lot going on in Utica that... I think people might not recognize. Oh yeah, and actually, I'm glad I'm, you should do podcasts. You're good at segues because I was about to bring up Copernic Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was when I was looking at this up this morning. I was a little. I don't want to say I was surprised. I was uh, taken aback. I was like, "Wow, Copernic Park!" Because yes. I drive by Copernic Park all the time on my way to work. It mm-hmm. is in the that Oneida Square section that I sort of think kind of gets overlooked when they talk about the revitalization of this city. It's a big topic of conversation we mm-hmm. have on the show all the time. We have a lot of Bag Square people come down here. We talk mm-hmm. about Bag Square a lot. Sometimes, and I love Bag Square, we sometimes talk about it, I feel like, too much, almost at the detriment of the other areas in the city that are attempting to revitalize, yeah. which is, uh, and I, I do think United Square is a beautiful area. I think the they've done a really nice job over the last few years, really, too, trying to build that area up. I know I was uh, I was anti the roundabout for a long uh-huh. time, but now I'm into it. Now I'm totally in it. Yeah. And um, so one of the things yeah. that Rusta Green worked on mm. was the One World Flower Festival. Yes, and that was, was a very similar yeah. type of creative mm. placemaking mm. project. Mm. You know, the uh, DOT put the roundabout in. There mm. are public spaces and green spaces there that I think that the community just didn't really understand, one, how to use them, mm. and two, that those are public spaces. Mm. They're the community's spaces to be used. And mm. I think it's kind of a similar thing with Copernic Park. The idea is that you hold these 10... Mm concerts through the summer and people recognize that that is a site where you can hold events right. where you can do things and that it is a community park for people mm-hmm. to use mm-hmm. and so there's really an exciting um event and i when you think about oneida square as the south gateway to downtown mm-hmm. and bag square and franklin square being the northern gateway yeah. to downtown it's a really nice location mm-hmm. to uh, be able to do that and people can sit in the lawn and enjoy free music. Now, I don't know if this is uh, something you would know about or if there's something we can even talk about. Um, the way the process works for the uh, for the uh, Levitt Camp uh, concert series, you, you're you getting voted in based on a certain amount. You, you put a, an entry in and people vote on it and there's mm-hmm. a chance they'll pick you. I don't necessarily know if this is the kind of thing that leans into multiple years in a row or if it's the kind of thing you would do years after year. But uh, it sort of leads into my question, like what so far, is a dual part question, I guess. So far, since you've been working with uh, with the Levitt Company, what are you most proud of, and what would you like to see going forward uh, after this after this year's event? I guess. So, we so could, yeah. the Levitt Foundation has been fantastic mm-hmm. to work with, as yeah. is the Community Foundation. Sure, they're great and, people. And um, so nice. You know, we're really excited because you know, as the city becomes more vibrant, mm-hmm. you want more choices, you want sure. more things to do, and this is just another thing to do. You know, you've got Saranac mm-hmm. Thursdays, you've got mm-hmm. Food Truck Fridays, you've got, now you have Levitt Amp concerts on Monday. So mm-hmm. the idea really would be that you can come to downtown mm-hmm. and you can find something to do in the city mm-hmm. of Utica almost any night of the week. Sure. And this is one more option to be mm-hmm. able to do that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, they have funded multiple cities, yeah. multiple years. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, this is only the second year. So sure, it'll be interesting yeah. to see yeah. um, how that carries yeah. forward. But I was just curious uh, about that because that's something I was like, it'd be really nice if it's the kind of thing that maybe not every year, but you can bring back on a revolving basis, basis. obviously. Because, yeah. you know, this is something... Uh, this is something we always talk about with uh, Saturday Night Thursday lineups, right? Like, mm -hmm. you want to have that consistency of bands that people like to see all the time, but you want to be able to bring bands. new bands yeah. in, right, to open people up. Mm -hmm. and, I, uh, and I wonder if it's along the same sort of way. Um, I want to ask you a little bit. So you mentioned it in passing a little bit uh, that you worked for Ru uh, Russell Green and that you were Cornell. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm going to assume you were local. Right. I, I grew up yeah. in upstate New York. I lived in uh, Berkeley, California for about 10 really? years. Wow. And then um, I moved back mm. probably seven or eight mm. years ago and mm. started working for Cornell Cooperative Extension. Mm. So we work on a number of projects, and this happens to be one that we're um, partnering on. Mm. But we have a number of partners, right. and that's been a really great mm. experience to bring a bunch of different groups mm. together that may not have worked together in the past, but have a chance to... Mm. Um, find that collaboration. Well, the reason I bring it up is because it does seem like, uh, and just, and I, I've only met you here today, it's one of the joys yeah. about this show is meeting <laughs> people on the fly. Uh, you do seem to have a lot invested in the success of this, not just for yourself and the business, but for what it's going to bring to the city and it comes through with what you're talking about. So it's nice to meet yeah, people. You know? we, we meet a lot of people who, who are doing good things for the city always makes me happy. I'm shocked yeah. that every week I can find a new person. <laughs> yeah, and you know, the city of Utica is really having this moment in history oh, yeah. where they're having this regeneration, mm -hmm. and it's great to be a part oh, of, yeah. and um, the energy is fantastic, mm -hmm. and everyone is uh, really kind of coming back to downtowns, and that's a that's mm -hmm. a nice thing to see. Uh, I We always come back to about two different things when we talk about the revitalization of the city. Uh, one, I think we've gotten a over that a little bit of that first hump which has been a problem with uh people in this area historically i know i was like this for a long time you don't believe any good thing that's told to you you're mm -hmm. like well they say that's gonna happen but we'll see when the when the time comes, comes yeah uh, and i think you're starting to see people actually have a little more faith mm -hmm. uh in things that they, <laughs> and they hear about the community uh but the other one is that uh we always constantly talk about how the revitalization of the city is at the beginning, not the end. We haven't mm -hmm. reached some milestone yet. We're just starting to see the potential of what could happen going forward. So that's yes. another thing that I'm I'm excited for for the next, you know, next however many years it keeps going. I'm just hoping ride it out. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's nice to see people come down and mm -hmm. rediscover yeah. neighborhoods, mm -hmm. you know, rediscover Bag Square and mm -hmm. Barrick in the Brewery District and Bleecker Street mm -hmm. in West Utica and um, downtown in South Utica. So it's nice for um, people to come to areas where they may not have been as comfortable coming down to in the past, but now seeing the reinvestment mm. in some of those neighborhoods means there's a lot more to offer for people to come down and mm. enjoy. Uh, Carolyn, where can people go website-wise uh, on the internet to find out more information about uh, Levitt? Okay, so they can go to concerts.levittamp.com dot mm -hmm. org backslash Utica or if they look mm -hmm. up Levitt Amp Utica Music Series they can find stuff online. We just want to remind people free concerts, mm -hmm. Copernic Park, six to nine PM, um, July fourth through September fifth, which is Labor Day. Bring your lawn chairs, bring <laughs> your blankets, um, come down uh, at the DeSale Center and um, 
Yeah. And uh, before I let you go, I've been doing this lately with the guests. We like to uh, ask a couple non-sequitur questions for you. These will be real easy. So okay. these are real quick right on the way out. Uh, give our listeners uh, one thing you're either reading, listening to it, uh, music-wise, or watching on TV. Oh, that's tough. Tough one, right? It is tough. <laughs> I am. I am definitely a kind of news junkie. Sure. So sure. I I watch like quick fire news in the morning is my <laughs> yeah. is my kind of uh, real. Uh, you know, I don't walk out sure. of the house without knowing what's going on for the day. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, and while you're watching that morning news, how do you take your coffee in the morning? I usually take it with a little honey and half and half. Ooh, honey and yeah. half and half. Uh, and what was your first car when you were growing up? I had a Dodge Aries K two-door. <laughs> it was, yep, that was it. Yes. Yeah. So. I love that. That's my favorite question. <laughs> I had such so there it is. Yet. Yep. Um, Karen, listen, I know uh, you're probably doing a lot of media run. Uh, listen, it's. I think this is great what you folks are doing. I think that the the potential for what this could be going forward is really, really great for the city, and I'm really, really happy uh, we were able to spend some time with you here today. So thank yep. you for coming by. Yeah, and it, go visit the website to see mm-hmm. the lineup. Wonderful. And we're hoping people come down, have dinner and drinks in addition to going to the concerts. Uh, folks, we'll be back to the show in just a minute. Uh, Jay Carolyn Williams, good people. Right. Caroline Williams, uh, I will go ahead and post all the links for the uh, Levitt AMP Utica Music Series uh, on our website at the end of the show. She was a nice lady. Um, I was thinking about this afterwards uh, with the art, uh, when I was speaking to her about the actual event, I had to think about where Copernic Park was for a second. It took me a minute to remember which park it was. It's that one across from the Fountain yeah. of Elms over there. Not me, another one. Well, I remember I was pointing that out when I was a little kid driving down Genesee Street. Yeah, I feel like I'm glad they chose that location, right? Like, I feel like it's not necessarily the first location you would always choose for an event like that like i feel like they used to do stuff like this almost like in front of city hall right in that band shell yeah hannah park Park, yeah hannah park uh but i like this i like this it's good it helps like uh put a spotlight on on that square a little bit as well too which is nice um so aaron you were claiming that you wrote a song for us i don't know if this is true or not no i did (laughs) why did you write us a song and where did this come from um just, you know, just rolling around in my head for a couple of weeks now, and it's just, it was like, it was time, I have the, I only have a first verse and a big sexy hook, but I think it's a pretty good start. Is it a song about the Uticast? Sort of. I don't know, I don't know, how you feel about this, Kevin? Whatever happens, happens, I suppose. Alright, what can I do to assist you with this, then? Nothing. Nothing? It's gonna be real good. Ready? I'm, I'm ready. Let's hear it. That's it, hold on. You're gonna snap. I wrote the oh. lyrics down. I actually can't snap. Really? Yep. That's impressive. Growing up, you don't see the writing on the wall. Ooh, okay. Oh. Passing by, moving straight ahead, you knew it all. Wait a second. 
But maybe sometimes if you feel the pain, you'll find you're all alone. Everything has changed. Play the game. You know you can't quit until it's won. You didn't write this. Shut up, I'm not done. (laughs) Soldier on. Only you can do what must be done. This is very intense. Show tunesy. You know some way you're a lot like me. You're just a prisoner. And you try to break free. I can see a new horizon underneath the blazing sky. I can see the, I'll be where the eagles flying higher and higher. Yeah, it's that song. Gonna be a man. This is definitely a song, isn't it? All I need is a pair of wheels. Take me where the future's lying. Say devil's fire. All right, first off, look, all right. I'm a little thrown off that you've chosen to sing John Parr's St. Elmo's Fire slash Man in Motion, which is the parentheses title on this. The only reason that I know this... I wrote that, actually. Okay, first off, no. I wrote it for the, I wrote it for the podcast. I need, hang on. Somebody catch me up. Did you just, like, sing somebody's song? All right. Just hang, a song? Did she just sing a song? No, I, I, sang, tell you. I sang the song I wrote. It's called, This is the Uticast. That's pretty good. I know. Uh, look, I'm glad you brought this up. I, I, I gotta tell you, I didn't know you were doing this song. I wrote it. This song has been stuck in my head for three weeks because of that damn Android commercial with the rock, paper, and scissors. <laughs> Wait a they play oh, that song that's in the what background. Song it is. It's an Aaron's it? commercial. Yeah. Have you seen? That's my commercial. Yeah. Have you seen the my Twitter banner is just the rock, paper, and the scissors. Is that what it is? But I actually wrote that song. <sighs> uh, that commercial has been no, haunting I me. I wrote that song. <laughs> that you did not. First off, my sisters who are ten years older than me love the movie Saint Elmo's Fire. Never, they have lots never, of complaints. I don't think it's a real movie. I wrote that song. Look up John Parr, Saint Elmo's Fire. Parentheses, nope. man in motion. No, I wrote one. it. It's Aaron Higgins. Well, I'm Saint glad. Fire. I'm glad we started with this because uh, we talk a lot on this show about being progressive about how we treat television. <laughs> <I make> myself- <laughs> Are you enjoying yourself? That was, I think it was pretty good. That was pretty good. Um, I didn't write that song. All right, so uh, we on the show have talked a lot about being progressive when it comes to, quote-unquote, cutting the cord and getting off of having cable TV. Mm-hmm. We tend to use the streaming systems. We use the Chromecast a lot. But for me personally, when it comes to consuming music, I feel like I'm somewhat regressive. There are a million different music streaming services out there. I had to look up some info on this today, mm-hmm. and I am not privy to any of them. I still live in that weird like world where I download music off the internet and add it to iTunes, which is kind of like old I do school. that. Is that yeah? That's that seems insane to me. Yeah, that's um, all it's, I do. I, I you there's a certain aesthetic that you like about like download, bro. Like sure, adding and you're adding right. Doing right, right, right. And stuff. Yeah. But I mean, for I, like that's that's a worthwhile thing to do if there's something you can't find on Spotify, which is few and far between, but it does happen. Mm, so you have Spotify to get thing. really obscure. Yeah, dude, I pay nine bucks a month for Spotify Premium. I get no ads. They have literally every song I've ever heard of or wanted to hear of on there. Do they song They're, I just wrote? Yes, <laughs> their Discover Weekly playlist is one of the one of the most innovative things I've ever seen come out of. I don't know what you would call it, like a music channel, music system, music service, whatever. Their Discover Weekly alone is worth the nine bucks a month if you're somebody who likes to continue discovering new music and not just listen to the same shit you liked when you were 20. Um, it's the best nine bucks I spend every month. I wildly recommend it to everybody. I can't. I just can't see mm. any reason why you wouldn't do it like that. Do they have Beyonce? Of course. Well, then I'm in. How do you consume music in today's day and age, Aaron Higgins? I just listen, I've just been listening to Beyonce for like seven and a half months. <laughs> <laughs> I know Lemonade front to back. How do you receive your Beyonce though? Um, I download it on iTunes. 
iTunes. Because I'm 22. Um, you and pay for it? Yeah, I spent a Jesus. hell of a lot of money for Beyonce. Uh, and I do it again. It's Bay. It's that, see, that's like crazy to me. She's like Jesus to my people. No, right, but like the idea that you actually pay basic for... Basic white girls? <laughs> basic yeah. white girls. Yep. First uh, off, I am not a basic white girl. I am just a regular old awesome white girl. Yeah, we're not doing this. <laughs> um, slay. Well, I slay. Uh, your turn. There it is. <laughs> I don't even, What's I don't that? Even, is that a hard apple cider that you're drinking? Hard Unbelievable. apple cider. Um, no, I guess. I guess really seasonal one too. <laughs> I guess for me it was always like I liked the idea of like owning, owning the music, right? Yeah. There's a there's a certain amount of owning the music, but whenever I put something on iTunes, for some reason I don't trust Apple enough to feel like I actually own any of the stuff that's on no. my iTunes, right? Like at any given moment, I feel like iTunes is just gonna hit a switch and erase all my music. Which is why I won't do Apple Radio or Apple Music or any of their new actual streaming services because I'm afraid of change. No, their stuff is all crap. Well, I'm terrified all of change anyway. Yeah. I am very afraid. I am very, very scared of change. I will own it. What are your thoughts on like uh, Pandora? We used to use Pandora at work, which is not necessarily music streaming the way Spotify is. It's well, almost yeah. like Pandora is also garbage. We yeah, use you know? it. We use yeah. it at work. Really? Pandora's garbage because number one, Spotify does what Pandora does. Mm-hmm. It, like, that's, that'd be the equivalent of, like, if, if Spotify's a Swiss army knife, Pandora is just, like, the bottle opener. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, okay. why, or, like, what yeah, is, right. the, is like, there, like, a needle use... in the Swiss army knife? Yeah, the little pick. Too. Yeah. 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 And, and uh, Pandora's also awful because it doesn't really give you... We use Pandora a lot in the bar at mm-hmm. my work. Um, a lot of my staff likes to put on Pandora, and they've got, like, the whole Pandora set up. They play for the premium, so there's no commercials. And they make stations and... Uh, to be fair, seven out of ten times you're listening to some of the hottest garbage you'll ever hear in your life up there. Oh. But um, it's it's too repetitive. Yeah. And they give you a lot of stuff you don't want, and it's not intuitive. You can't really skip back. Like you're yeah. skipping forward. It just doesn't. It's too slow. It's, what, it's what is Spotify like? A dinosaur. Like you can skip. You can skip Spotify. Stuff? Oh my god. Spotify. Imagine. Okay, you're familiar with iTunes. I'm familiar with whatever Beyonce does you're, on iTunes. Okay, you're familiar with the iTunes program. You yeah, know what I, iTunes is, how to I use have, iTunes. I have the iTunes. Okay. Spotify is basically, imagine iTunes, but imagine your iTunes already has every song that's ever existed on it. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that's what it is. The interface looks just like iTunes, oh. um, especially on the desktop version. They're a little bit different on mobile. But so it's set up exactly like iTunes. You can make playlists, play albums, you know, do whatever you want and pick your songs as you go and b- listen to it the same way you would if you had all these songs in your iTunes, but they're just there and they stream. The only downfall to Spotify is maybe, like compared to the way you do it, Sam, is um, if you're listening to music in your car a lot, yeah. yeah, you will, like you are streaming and you are using right. data when you do that. That's it, my second question. It that doesn't was, yeah. use a ton of data. You try to get on Wi-Fi whenever you can, but in the car specifically, you don't really have a choice. Yeah. But uh, for as much data as I blow through in a month, Spotify is very little of it. Yeah. So when I go to the gym... <laughs> Which, wait, see, you can't even get it out of your mouth without laughing. Look at you. Um, I can do the Spotify on my phone? Yeah, you just download, yeah, you download Spotify. But what if I... Okay. I have what, so many questions. What if you want? But they're mainly just Beyonce related questions, so I'm just going to pass. 
Wait a minute. Can you listen to baseball games on your Spotify? No. Oh, then what the hell am I doing? It's I pay yeah. for MLB TV or MLB, the MLB app, MLB radio app is like $8 a month and you get every baseball game on the radio. That's only for real nerds like me. Who See, care I feel like that's to... a scam because I'm only on the radio. I'm only listening to the Yankees. And even then, like, I, you're bored out of your shorts. I got to I got to tell you, Susan Waldman and, oh, and what's his name there? Have eight, and John Sterling have aged very poorly. For she, me. Yes, they have. You know, I, I tried to listen to a game the other day, honestly, and then we'll go back to talking about Beyonce. But I, um, I tried really hard to listen to a Yankee game for the sake of, of my relationship, and I was like, she was just droning about nothing. And she's like, and then up to bat is Alex Rodriguez. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's actually close to what her voice sounds like. It's, it's not. Alex Rodriguez. I All don't right. like her. Let's, uh, let's move on to a, uh, a mailbag question that was sent in to us. Uh, my mom is out in Chicago right now visiting my sister. Uh, so there's like family time out there. I got this. Uh, this question is from my sister Kelly. Hey, Kel. Yeah, hi, Kel. All right. Uh, so this question. Does your sister Kelly listen to the show? Uh, probably not. Were you repeatedly referred to her as my sister, who's ten years older than me? Yeah. Probably okay. Not. Okay. Just checking. She knows she's old. She knows it's the truth. Like, uh, there's no reason <laughs> to deny like the truth. Does she like Beyonce? Uh, I bet you my sister is aware of Beyonce because she has an eleven-year-old daughter. Okay. Uh, but okay. I don't know if she... My sister likes show tunes. I don't think Beyonce is for 11-year-olds anymore. No, I don't think so like either. Beyonce is mostly writing well, about, like, just yeah. sex. No. Yeah. No. Whatever. She's also a wonderful female empowering woman lover. What about Adele? Adele's also a female and empowering. Adele, yeah, but I don't get hyped listening to Adele. That's I'm not like, true. who runs the world? Hello? Like, that's not how I feel. That's I don't actually feel like the best. Sad people. That's the best anti Adele argument I've ever heard. Like, I just actually. don't get psyched up. I want to put on Adele and I want to lay in a bathtub of cold water and cry. Like, <laughs> I don't want. When it's who runs the world, girls, it's me. It's I run the world. It's just me. And that's how I feel about everything. But only in Beyonce's on. So I think that, like, little girls, that song, Who Runs the World, Girls, 11 year old eating it up. I'm banning. Be. It's an I'm... old song, though. But Who Runs the World? Good. I'm, I'm never bringing up Beyonce on the show ever again. You never, you never brought up Beyonce. This is just a thing she this decided to do three minutes into this segment. This I mentioned me. nothing but Beyonce. I've right. just been in a Beyonce. All right. Well, I need to, I need to pull okay, you. Okay, I'm sorry. I need Tell to me pull about you, Kelly. No, I need to pull you back to center because this question actually applies to you more than either me or Kevin. I'm not surprised. Uh, the question is, gen, is generally about education, and she's wondering how far away are we as a society from replacing textbooks in schools with tablets? We have. Already in general? Not in general, but in a lot. Lo well, okay. So since the uh, since the implication of the Common Core in most states, mm -hmm. well, in the states that bought into the Common Core, the uh, application is not in a textbook nine times out of ten. The application of lessons is not in a textbook. It's in lectures and it's in differentiating and and uh, modifying these. Essentially, you get a you get a manual mm -hmm. for each what they're called are, are um, modules that you teach. And you get a manual for the modules and then how you implement is up to you. But there are no like written textbooks. And you know, I'm saying this as a K2, so I could be wrong as a five and up. So you're doing things a little differently. I use a lot of tablets. I use a lot of the smart board, mm -hmm. especially with the younger grades. I do not give textbooks. I do not give primers or any of those things because they just are a waste of paper at this point in time when kids are showing very obviously that they learn in differentiating ways and use of tablets and smart technology is seeming to be a much better way for kids to learn. Also, you're implementing uh, manipulatives and stuff into that regard. So textbooks seem to be have gone by the wayside to in regard. 
Right, because I remember as a kid, you'd get your textbook like yeah. for the year, and you had to go home and put. <coughs> pardon me. I had to go home with that brown paper bag over it to make like a book cover. That I was had always those, like the, I had those stretchy ones. Oh, that look you at slid you. over it. Upper yeah. middle class. No, over my here. mom was up in the fifth grade, and she saw that the bigger kids had them. She knew what was up. She stole them. I had to steal paper bags from Shinatri's. I actually liked paper bags more. You could yeah. draw on them. Um, I'm surprised. I just feel like it would be a good look for our education system to start moving into a more, uh, more embracing the technology that's available to us. All, I think it's like a huge investment. Certainly, it's probably more expensive to give your give a kid one tablet than it is to give them three textbooks. Of course, I guess not really. Right. Well, here's the thing, though. I'm speaking from a from a regard. I'm speaking sure. from a place of a district that is not exactly financially unstable Mm -hmm. by no stretch of the imagination is the district i'm currently in financially wealthy however you look at the schools that are i'm not i'm going outside of new york you look at the schools that are are poor you look at poor education they can't afford tablets and they can barely afford textbooks Mm -hmm. let alone desktop computers so then you have to start what's more important if i can get one tablet in a classroom or 30 textbooks right no matter how antiquated the textbooks are you're going to vote for textbooks over Mm -hmm. tablets anytime because 30 kids sharing one tablet you're A, bound to have that tablet burned out and done by the end of the school year. Sure. B, you're bound to have something break and somebody to go wrong. And C, you're not going to have as educationally sufficient lessons as you wanted to have. You're not going to have the educational success that you expect. Mm. So, I guess the general consensus is farther away from tablets only than than you would expect. I guess it seems like. I think depending on where you are. Yeah. Truly, truly depending on where yeah. you are. I do like the idea of future schooling society where everyone's just on tablets. Of course, kids don't pay attention to tablet you when you give them a tablet now. So I guess maybe that's. Also I'll be honest. Yeah, and I'll be honest. Downside to that. Like too. I went to when I went to grad school, I had a yeah. tablet and a laptop, and I was like so used to writing pen and paper and having a textbook, and I could get my ebooks, I could do them all like that, but I would always opt to have a hard copy mm. because that's just the way that yeah. I. Yeah. learn so you're trying these kids now when they get to college they're going to be sort of stuck because textbooks are going to be void by the time they get yeah. to school i still write this show out by no, hand textbooks no. will never be void in college. i think textbooks yeah, are going out i think uh, me, ebooks are the way of the future let me tell you let me tell you exactly why textbooks will never be void in college textbooks will never be void in college because of how much money the publishers yeah. make off of putting a slightly revised version there's too much money in it to abandon it well but here's the in other grade school it's different where kids don't pay for their books but in college your kids pay for books that's not going away well you pay yeah. for ebooks and that's the only thing is you pay for ebooks and when the ebook comes out it's more expensive to get an ebook than it is to get a hard copy which um is hard for some people to understand but it's ease of use so and it's ease of carrying you can carry 60,000 textbooks on your tablet you know much easier than you can carry and they rent them so you get them for a certain amount of time you have access to that ebook and it's more expensive, and you only have access for a limited time. Mm. So, and they do the revisions that way. And when they do have a new revised copy comes out, you have to own the new revised copy, no mm. matter if it's the middle of a school year or middle of a semester. So, technically, the money is still coming in, and they are cutting their costs by so huge because they don't have to print things. So that's the only qualm, That's the only way that I would see that even working okay. for for textbooks in college. All right. Thanks for the Kel- uh, thanks for the question, Kelly. Love yeah, you. thanks, Kyle. That was a great question. Love you. Uh, all right. So let's close out the show today. I got a couple quick over-unders oh, for cool. you guys. Uh, and then we'll close out the show. Uh, let's start with the first one. Uh, an unnamed gentleman was over at the house a couple weeks back watching uh, sports with us. And while he was, he drank two full glasses of 2% milk in my presence. And it skeeved me out. Overrated or underrated drinking a glass of milk by itself. He drank milk? Like, in your house? Like, 
just sitting here? Like in a, like in a big pint glass of milk. I really can only drink milk if I'm dunking cookies in it. That's it? That's all you got? Just cookies? What else will you put in milk? I don't know. I'm just... My whole point is, like, I... As a kid, I was told to drink milk. And as I get older, I... I feel like there's a lot of questions about whether milk is good for you, right? Uh, like, is milk as good for you as it was implied it was when well, we were kids? Well, my toe didn't. My really? toe did not. Great for you. Yeah. My toe did not crack off. You. I just have a small mm. fracture. So mm. the milk I drank as a child clearly worked. Mm. Mm-hmm. Underrated. Yeah, you, you seem like a. I guess I don't know. I've never seen you drink a glass. I of don't milk drink either. a glass of milk, but that's uh, it's underrated. Like a glass of milk is good. A whole pint glass feels like a lot. I mean, yeah. It's tough to sit here and make a case for drinking a whole glass of milk when it's 90 degrees with 95% humidity. Yeah, it's fair. But milk yeah, was a bad choice. Milk has a place. A nice cool glass of milk has a place. I don't know. I never... Something about milk Chocolate is, milk is where it's at, really. Well, that's fair, too. I just feel like a glass of milk is never refreshing to me. Like, no. at any point in time, I'm never really like, that was a good glass of milk. I feel I feel better about I that. I don't feel like I drink milk to, for a refreshing thing, though. You know what I mean? Like, I don't that's drink fair. it for its refreshment yeah. value. Drink it if I have a stomach problem. I need some base in my stomach. I had too much acid, I feel like, is the move, right? I don't know. I, I drink it when I have cookies or cake right. or any of those things. All right. Uh, let's move on to the next over-under. Uh, this is one that's been bothering me. I went to a car wash last week. Uh, I paid $8, $9, whatever it was. Pulled out of the car wash and realized that most of my car was still kind of dirty. So I'm debating whether or not I should go back to washing my car by hand. Overrated, underrated. Washing your car by hand outside. Old school. It's the only way I do it. <laughs> really? No, I don't. I'm not even. Li- like, I'll do it if I have like, like, because I have a big driveway and all the access to all the things, and I use the simple green soap on my car because it's better for the environment, and it smells nice, and I uh, do it that way. So I think underrated washing your hand by car, washing hmm. your car by hand. Okay, I will go through a thing if I have to. But I think washing a car by hand is. Uh, maybe underrated in the sense that you do get maybe a little bit easier idea of what cleanliness you're getting, but overrated in the fact of like the ecological impact. And I'm not going to be Johnny Environment, sure. but like, holy shit, you're using a lot of water to wash mm. that car. Mm. Like, because that hose just runs, you go through so much, and then all that stuff. I mean, you're smart to use the green soap, but pumping all that soap and all that chemicals that does go into the sewers and eventually filters out somewhere, it's yeah. just not. Yeah, but you get there, that in the car wash, too, though. There's other wood. No, they use way less, and they recycle all their water, and they refilter it so they can use it over and over and things that. and drain them through. The precision wash where you go in and park there is trash. The one yeah. that you go into that actually runs the stuff over your car with, like, the big floppy, like, arms yeah. of the, like, the chamois and everything. Scare the crap out of me That's the kid. way to go. Well, because when I was a little kid, I used to love going to the car wash with my dad. I felt like I was in 20,000 leagues under the sea. Oh, right? yeah. Yeah. Uh, I went to a car wash last week, which was the laser precision wash, where that dumb thing like goes around your car, and I really just felt I was like, I feel like this was a waste of my money. You know what the move is? You want to wash your car? I know where you went for the precision wash. Uh, if you go across the street, yeah. there's a place where you put the quarters in the machine, mm-hmm. and they give you the big pressure gun hose, and you wash it yeah. right there in their bay. That's the best of all That's worlds. That's pretty good. Where you is wash that? it by yourselves. Uh, it's on. Right down in Washington Mills, across from the Precision yeah. Wash. You oh! go in there, you put in quarters for tokens. They give you, like, the big, huge pressure gun that's connected to a hose. Mm. So, like, you get to feel like you've got some crazy weapon. You get to wash your own car. You get to make sure it's clean the way you like that's it. True. And you still get a lot of the effects of recycling the water. And you use a lot less than you do just letting your hose run, spraying your car down in your driveway like an 80s hair metal video. <laughs> First off, I brought it, take it and see. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Out there, like... Not really me. Why did you pick that song of all like not pour some sugar on me? Not like she's my cherry pie. I don't like, like that you song. didn't you didn't go that route, like slutty eighties hair um, metal. 
You want to know what a nerd I am? I was referencing an episode of The Simpsons where Apu was washing his car and singing Hot Blooded by Foreigner. So there you go. Uh, let's call it today. I think that's a good place to end. Uh, Aaron, I'm so happy to have you back. We missed you last week. It was just two-person cast last week. It didn't feel the same. What was last week? Oh, I didn't have a toe. You had no toe last week, yeah. I couldn't make it down. I had no toe. Uh, Aaron, we're, we're glad you're back. I'm very excited to have you. Uh, folks, we'll be back next week. Again, uh, thank you for joining us for the first episode of For the Lads. If you listen to it on Monday, uh, we'll be back with that in a few weeks. Aaron's going to come on Talk Mets. Uh, we'll be back with another episode next week for Kevin Sullivan. I am Sam Familaro. We'll catch you next time. Is that your new send-off? We'll catch you next time. I don't have a send-off. I need but a good send-off. Usually it's like, this. will you later, pee pants? Oh, that's a good one. No, that's mine. You can't take that. <laughs> don't take that. That's mine.